0: Hi, this is Melissa Gilbert, and you are listening to the Pop Culture Preservation Society.
1: Did you know that the Pop Culture Preservation Society is on Patreon? Patreon allows you to support our work by becoming dues-paying members of our society. We are an independent, women-run endeavor with a commitment to delivering the highest quality listening experience to our community. And so we've taught ourselves how to record, edit, and produce a podcast in midlife A time when most of us are asking our kids how to regram a TikTok so that we can deliver episodes that truly speak to you. Support from PCPS patrons means that we can devote more of our time and resources to the content, sources, equipment, software, hosting, and research that you've come to depend on without worrying about how to pay the bills. So thank you. We appreciate you from the bottom of our bell-bottomed hearts.
0: And the movie ended, and, of course, the audience was just silent the whole time, and the movie ended, and everybody just screamed and applauded. And I lost it and burst into tears and collapsed into my mom, who was sobbing. And then I, like, crawled across her to Anna, and we just, like, held on to each other <sighs> sobbing. And then I, I finally got myself together. I could barely even tell the story to, to kind of, like, greet the rest of the room. And I turned around, and Mike was standing there, and he was drenched in tears.
2: And he just kept
0: looking at me and going, I've I never seen anything like this in my life.
2: Hello world, is a
0: song that we're singing. Come on, get
2: happy. A whole lot of love is what we'll be bringing. We'll make you happy. Welcome to the Pop Culture Preservation Society, the podcast for people born in the big wheel generation who thought a rock was a pet.
1: We believe our Gen X childhoods gave us unforgettable songs, stories, characters, and images.
3: And if we don't talk about them, they'll disappear, like Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition. And today, we're chatting with our friend Melissa Gilbert about her incredible performance in the 1979 movie The Miracle Worker. As well as getting some fun behind the scenes scoop on Little House, can she watch that first kiss episode? How it felt introducing her granddaughter to Laura and learning all about her new passion project. I'm Carolyn. I'm Kristen. And I'm Michelle. And we are your pop culture preservationists.
2: Song that we're Come on, get happy. A whole lot of love is what we'll be bringing.
1: Welcome back to the Pop Culture Preservation Society. Melissa Gilbert, we're so happy to have you. We spoke with you several months ago about your book, Back to the Prairie, A Home Remade, A Life Rediscovered. A book that inspired us to go find our inner half pint. So thank you for that. And in that conversation, we stumbled upon a topic that lit a fire under all of us, including you. And that was your role in the 1979 version of The Miracle Worker. And we got off that Zoom with you and all three of us were like, oh, my God, we have to have her back. (laughs) So thank you. Thank you again for coming back.
0: Oh, thanks for having me. It's always fun to spend time with you, ladies. Thank you. Gosh, my heart. Thank you. Carolyn, make sure you clip
3: that out and we'll (laughs) use it again. And I'll make it my
1: ringtone. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Okay, so we want to talk to you about how this movie came to be. But first, I need to know something because it turns out that all three of us had this sort of rabid fascination with Helen Keller when we were children and so we need to know a did you also have a rabid fascination with Helen Keller and b, was this a 70s thing like how she was like a almost a pop culture hero yeah. to us in the I, 70s
0: I was not I was not I mean I certainly knew who she was um I don't think I was a uh, a fangirl at the time <laughs> Were. Um, I I, um, I I clearly remember reading about her, and I think you know, for for just women in general, especially young girls, her story, like Laura Ingalls Wilder's story, like Anne, Anne Frank's story, the stories of young women who overcome are incredibly uh, inspiring inspires us. It inspired me. Certainly those were why I played, you know, obviously those three roles, Laurie was wilder. I stumbled into, but chose to play Helen Keller and chose to play Anne Frank. And when I say chose, I mean, I don't mean I necessarily chose. So mm-hmm. now I'll tell you how it came to be. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. When I was, um, <laughs> when I was 14, uh, my, I, my mom, Hired an actual manager for me. I had a manager named Ray Katz, and he managed the Osmond family and Dolly Parton. He and his he and his um, nephew Sandy. I have my Jolene shirt on. (laughs) Share and and Anthony Newley, and just a whole whole bunch of Joan Rivers. And (sighs) so I signed with them, and I was the youngest client and. My mom said, listen, when we meet with Ray Katz, we're going to talk about what you want to do, and I want us to, it was kind of her idea to start the, uh, my production company, and she said, I think the first role we should see if we can do for you is for you to play Helen Keller. Now, I at that point, I had not seen The Miracle Worker, but I certainly knew who Helen Keller was, and my first reaction was, oh, that'd be great, and about an hour later, I was going, how am I going to do that? Ooh. Um, that's scary. And, um, then I watched the original miracle worker and I got even more terrified, but I thought, I think I, I I think I can, I think I can do this. I can make this work. So we sat down with the man who eventually became uncle Ray, Ray cats. And he said, so what do you want to do? And before my mom could even say a word, I said, I want to play Helen Keller in the miracle worker. Wow. And I want to produce it. And my mom was like, What I told her. (laughs) This is amazing. You're 14 years old. When I was
3: 14 years old, I was probably like, you know, I don't know, concerned with, I don't know, who I was going to not want to skate with at the roller rink or something. (laughs)
2: Like
3: You were 14, and you. I love how you just said, "I want to produce it, and I want to play Helen
0: Keller." That's amazing. Yeah, and then ran outside to go roller skating on the paddle tennis court with my friends. <laughs> okay, so good. Okay, thank you for yeah, that. Thank no, you. Kind of confused things. I was still, you know, mm-hmm. a teenage girl in the 70s. So um, Ray said, well, let me see what we can do. And he got the rights and all the technical stuff happened. And then he, I think, came to us and said, how would you guys feel if we could get Patty Duke to play Annie Sullivan? And I said, that would be amazing um, scary it just kept getting scarier and scarier and then the next thing he said was I think we should do it as a play first before we do the movie and I hadn't even been on stage yet so that was even scarier so there I was 14 years old with my production company getting ready to produce and star in my first movie and play and play Helen Keller opposite Patty Duke who'd been nominated I think she won an Oscar she She won won. yeah she did she win the Tony for it too she did it on Broadway. I, know, I, I don't know.
1: think so. I don't. Maybe Anne Bancroft won the Tony.
0: I, I'm oh, not so sure, but she, she definitely got the Oscar. Definitely, yeah. and she won the Emmy for our version. Okay. So she right. definitely, I know she was nominated, and I know that Helen Keller actually came to a performance of her. Version. Oh wow! Oh wow! I just got the uh, chills. I do. I know. I know. Um, so anyway, we 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 decided to to do this thing, and I. Dove into the best of my ability, trying to figure out a way to to play Helen and do a play. And I was in rehearsals. and I didn't realize you did it as a play
1: also. Mm-hmm. So you started it as a play just like Patty Duke did. and yeah. then ad- mm-hmm. And but was it the plan the whole time to adapt that play into a film?
0: Yeah. So okay. the play was adapt- adapted into the screenplay that we did. And it was basically the same as the original movie, which was the, okay. original, which yeah. was the play. Paul William Gibson, same, same, same. Um, we, we did the play in Palm beach at the Royal Poinciana playhouse, which I don't think exists anymore. And, um, and I remember, I mean, there's a bunch of stories around rehearsal and all that stuff. And you guys can ask me questions, but I remember there was the one kind of great defining moment for me. And there was a lot of turbulence that got us there. I mean, I, on the plane flying to Miami, they pulled my mom aside, or no, the two days before we flew, they pulled my mom aside, the director and Uncle Ray, and said, she's not, she hasn't got, she hasn't got it. She's oh, not, no. She's not there yet. My mom took me to her acting teacher, and it was a whole drama. But the end result was my first preview. The director, Paul Aaron, had staged my entrance so that I was entering from center stage where Annie says, um... Some Annie Sullivan says, where's Helen? And someone says, well, here comes Helen now. So I entered from center stage and ran straight down stage to zero, right at the center at the <sighs> edge of the stage with my arms out. And I did it the first time in front of an audience, and the front three rows stood up to catch me. And oh, thought, my God. This is the greatest thing I have ever <sighs> felt in my whole life. Yeah. They're all mine. <laughs> right. Yes. That immediate. Also, you yes. said you'd
3: never been on stage before. So that immediate gratification of being in front of an audience. Maybe that's right. where this all comes from. That now you love performing on stage and you have
0: so much in your career. But that's oh, where it yeah. started. Yeah, nothing like that's happened to me on stage. I mean, yeah. I've done some, some awesome, some beautiful plays and really well done stuff. But something about that piece at that time in my life, and then with Anna there, Patty Duke's real name right. is Anna. Mm-hmm. With Anna there and the incredible cast that we had, and just that whole experience, I, I've I've done a lot of plays, but I've never done a play where every single performance the audience didn't make a sound. Nobody cleared a throat. Wow, that's unwrapped. amazing. Nobody moved. I didn't hear shuffling. I barely. They were barely breathing because it was just so powerful. And what it did for us was, by the time we got to the set to do the movie, we all were seamless and just in the yeah. pocket. It was just a question of shooting it. Your
3: confidence had to have been so boosted from all the, re- the response you got on stage. I
0: felt super comfortable, super at ease. And believe I mean, I was so nervous before opening night too, when we did the play. By the time we got to the movie, it was like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Um, on opening night, I mean, I I think I probably had IBS for about a week. Yeah. Before oh, that. for sure, yeah, <laughs> relatable, yeah. Couldn't sleep, just a wreck. And after, I mean, I I made it through the entire performance. And after, when we were going to the opening night party, I couldn't go because I my intestines were. Oh god. yeah. Oh god. Yeah, <laughs> relatable. You said Michelle Please. like. Mm-hmm, <laughs> yep. My um, when, when um, my godparents were, would say that I had a nutty duty. <laughs> <laughs> Oh that's a soundbite for us. Oh, it's yeah. right. a good
3: one. Well, okay, so let's talk a little bit about Patty Duke or Anna as you, you know, as you call her because that uh, listeners that is her as Patty Duke's real name. But because we really can't talk about the Miracle Worker without taking just a bit of time to talk about her the amazing Patty Duke who yeah, she won the Oscar for best supporting actress at age 16 for her role of Helen in the 1966 movie. But um in your book Prairie Tale which Patty wrote the foreword to, both mm-hmm. of you talk about how after being told not to talk about it, she ended up helping you find Helen, basically. Can you tell us about that and also about how you, though, made this role your own?
0: Um. Okay. Yes. Um. She. she when we were on the plane, it was when we were on the plane flying to Palm Beach, and she leaned forward and she tapped me on the shoulder and she said, they told me not to talk to you, but that's dumb. Um, is there anything you want to know? Is there anything you're having trouble with? And I, I turned around and I said, well, there's this and this and this and this yeah, and this yeah. and this, and this, and this and this and and I'm having a really hard time too, at the end, finding the right sound for the wah-wah, the one line mm-hmm. I didn't say. And she said, easy. She said, you know what they told me? I said, no, I have no idea, but please God help me. <laughs> And she said, just say it like you're really, really constipated. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it poop.
0: always
1: comes back to poop. It always comes
3: back to poop. But actually, no, now that I'm thinking of it, the way that – because we all just recently
0: watched The Miracle Worker. You yeah. nailed it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, you did.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. And, of course, that was just to get the sound that I needed. The emotion behind it was right. was different. Um, the way actually ultimately um, – the, the single, she was immensely helpful all the time after that. I mean, we were like two peas in a pod during the rest of the process and getting the play up and doing the performance and then doing the film. Um, but when my, the director and producers and manager and everybody sat my mom down that time and said, she's, and my mom took me to her acting coach, a man named Jeff Corey, who lived in Malibu uh, on Point Doom, and he had a studio behind his house. And I remember I was getting a cold, and he gave me milk with acidophilus in it to help my immune system, and it tasted awful. And he took me out to his studio, and he said, now, this is going to be unsettling and unnerving. I promise you, you will be hurt. I promise you, you'll be safe. If you need to stop, just say stop, and we'll stop. He said, but you need some kind of sense memory and what you've been doing is not working. What I had been doing was like wearing a blindfold to the dinner table, which oh, yeah. tried to, like, <laughs> kind of figure out something. And so, so and you're here? talking
1: about trying to act like a, a person who is blind. Is blind that what deaf. you mean? And deaf. And yeah. Deaf. yeah.
0: Yep. And deaf. Okay. Um, and also I had gone to a lot of schools, well, a few schools to observe blind and deaf children, but because of medical advances, it's very rare to there are no illnesses really left that leave children just blind and deaf without being brain damaged also Helen that back then it was whatever she got that had settled in scarlet fever i think scarlet uh, fever wasn't it yeah that mm-hmm. could do it without brain damage so she had all of the intellect but had these deficiencies there was one little girl at one place who was just blind and deaf and um it's so funny. Clear as 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 if it were right in front of me. I see her. They put her down at it. They sat her down at a table um, after she had done something that she was supposed to have done to do her favorite thing, and they would pour baby powder on the table, and she would just smash it in her hands wow. and blow on it and sniff it and feel it on her skin. She loved to play with baby powder. Was her thing, and I guess you know. So she's so. Was so tactile because mm-hmm. she lost two senses. So everything else is heightened. So just the baby powder made her so happy. And I remember watching her just the joy with the baby powder. And I used that later with the mm-hmm. dirt on my face when mm-hmm. I language that was her. when you were it
1: describing hard. it. That's so funny. Cause I, I immediately saw that scene in my mind. Like that's exactly what she did. She patted her hands on the table, pat, 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 pat. She brought it to her nose. She sniffed it up. She put it on her face and I was so watching it as an adult was a very different experience for me than watching it as a child. I think I was fascinated with all of the things that you were doing, but now as an adult, I know so much more about sensory stimulation and I yeah. need to to have sensory stimulation. And so when I watched you, you yourself as a child, as a 14, 15-year-old child, really doing self-stimulating behaviors, right? You're shaking your hands, and you're patting your face, and, you're, mm-hmm. and your head is – I'm just describing what I'm seeing in the movie. Your head yeah. would swing back and forth. Your hair would swing back and forth. Your hands are are all around you just seeking some sort – yeah, yeah, you're making these hand, hand movements right watch. now. And I, and I don't – Oh, my God. Really? No, now I, was, I know exactly what that is. You nailed I, it. I
0: do. I now, because I've played the parent of um, a children on this parent, many times parent of children on the spectrum, uh, either severely autistic or mildly autistic or somewhere in between. And so I've and, and had in my research definitely learned what it was. Mm. And I had no idea that that's what I was sort wow. of doing with it.
3: That was almost so instinctual. instinctual. That, wasn't necessarily that was on like purpose. a, that was like a, yeah, like, like your was instinctual, instinctual thing at fourteen yeah. years old. You kind of were putting it all together in a way that was really yeah. authentic. Yeah,
0: it was just I, I, well, let me, I'll explain where that came from. Okay. Too, yeah, you. Jeff, we have to go back to yeah. Jeff. Yeah. Jeff took me out to the studio and he blindfolded me and he put earplugs in my ears and he turned off all the lights and then he had me walk around the room and find my way around the room and then he started moving things and had me do it again and then mm. he started throwing things in my way. And I never got scared, but it definitely changed so much more for me that, you know, one of the major things that came out of that was the realization for Helen that moving forward is always scary. So she's always got one hand back. There's always something holding on to something behind her. Or she There's a definitive, there are, there are routes she always takes. Um, that those patterns are important because she doesn't know, you know, spatially where she is at any given moment. And um, everybody was so into that stuff too. Like the set decorators had um, on this on this the, the set on the stage and in the movie, they had um, worn areas on the wallpaper where they had wow. me in with my hands, and then they wore them out so it looked like I've been doing it for years oh, and years. Wow. and years wow. um, mm-hmm. and. That's the kind of stuff that just made as as a performer that just makes the the performance even even deeper for me but once once i I had all of those senses cut off too there was I had I felt so much more freedom in my body like with 14 15 year old girls making weird faces when you're like not just right. sticking your tongue out at someone to be mean nobody wants to look dorky you just don't and I had to go full on you like, did, yeah Yes, just let it go, and and being in that dark room with n- no sense of self really made a big difference. So that I was able to carry through, and and really for me as a teenage girl to dif- differentiate between Melissa, the roller skating, happy, fun loving, Barbie collecting girl, and Helen, and yeah. That was one
1: thing I was really fascinated by, actually, were your facial expressions. And I wondered how much of that was, um, well, like you said, you had to let go of of the teenage girl who's worried about looking pretty or what people will think about her because these are very awkward and not attractive faces. And so I wondered how much of that was planned, prepared, choreographed, how much of it was basic instinct, like just having to let go and see what comes.
0: It was, just the, that stuff was just instinct to see what comes, but there were layers of it that went with it. Like when we did the play um, and everybody looked really beautiful. My makeup was, um, I, they gave me a little thing of fuller's earth. So I had clean dirt and I would suck on a peppermint candy and then I would put peppermint candy on my face and then I would put dirt in the peppermint candy. And that was how I looked through the entire show. So once that happened, it, it was sort of like, the well, there's no point in any of this. Why am I even bothering?
3: Yeah, and other than the preparation of um, learning how to be and act authentically deaf and blind, this role was so emotional and physical. The whole movie is tremendously emotional and physical. Um, At one point, you whack Patty Duke so hard that her lip splits, and it looks like we had to rewind, watch, rewind. We're like... I don't think that was fake. Like my husband's like, please ask Melissa Gilbert if she actually injured
0: <laughs> Patty yeah, Duke. Did so did you that's get one hurt. Thing. That's a but great I do question. Want to, not
3: to mention all just the thrashing and the near constant fighting and battling with Patty Duke. I love the choice that they always had your hair down. They didn't have it in a braid. They didn't have it in a ponytail. So that just made that even heightened more because in so many scenes, Patty's having to like push her hair back. Um but yeah, so we know how you prepared with Jeff with the blindfold and the earplugs. How did you prepare for the emotional aspect of the role and the physical aspect of the role?
0: The physical stuff was was hard. It was very exhausting. Um, and we got hurt a lot, especially did during you? the play. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Now I was 14 and bouncy. I mean, you know, still basically partially rubber in my bones. <laughs> Anna was not, and she wore a back he had a bad back and a back brace. Also, when they did the original movie with Anna and Anne Bancroft, Anna's tiny, tiny, tiny persons. She was as an adult. As a child, she was even tinier. I'm not as tiny. She and I were basically the same height when we did the movie. So they put her in heels and lifts. So she's doing all that stuff in heels and lifts with a back brace and lifting giant 14 year old me off the ground and thrashing me about. I mean, I had to learn how to help her a little bit, how to kind of leap when she lifted but also there was a a measure of caution there too because if I leaped when she wasn't ready I'd hit her in the chin chin with my shoulder it was all very slowly choreographed that big dining room fight scene on stage I think we worked that for three weeks before we were ready um, it took us five days to shoot it
2: that's um, what I was going to oh, ask. How long? You'd like to think it was one and done, but I guess, I guess not. Golly,
1: the scene really is the the pinnacle of the movie and the thing that is so memorable because I mean that's an Emmy moment for both of you. It's really incredible. It's in the dining room on Annie Sullivan's first day of work, and it's dinner time and. Prior to Annie Sullivan coming, Helen Keller's way of eating was to walk around the table and just grab food off of people's plates and put it in her mouth. And that was just what was allowed to take place. And Annie Sullivan, Sullivan was like, this does, it doesn't need to be this way. She can learn to eat. She can learn to eat. And they're like, no, she can't. She can't. And so Annie Sullivan insists that she sits in a chair and uses a spoon. Well, This becomes very violent as Helen resists her and Annie sends the entire family out of the room and they begin a knockdown drag out fight of Helen resisting, falling off a chair, Annie picking her up, putting her back in the chair, putting a spoon in her hand, throwing the spoon, hitting, punching, spitting. I mean, it's just the hair. So much hair. (laughs) So much hair. And I have to tell you, this is another place where it differed for me as a child and as an adult, as a child, I was riveted. I don't know. As an adult, I was close to tears. I was really choked oh, yeah. up, and I'm I'm choking up right now just yeah. thinking about it because it was so emotional, and you both committed so hard, so yeah. hard. So, uh, back to my question. That was a long-winded question.
0: How much of that was choreographed? So much of it was choreographed because okay. we had to be so careful not to really hurt each other badly. I mean, okay. we hurt each other. We were covered in in elbow pads and knee pads and all that stuff, but we were always bruised. Um, the slapping across the face—there was no real way to choreograph it. We just had to do it, and so we did it. And we we rang each other's bells a couple times. Well, the only thing we really were encouraged to do was to stay away from the ears, because if you slap someone in the ears, you can't hear for like fifteen minutes, wow. which is not good on stage, especially. Um, but we, we, we really, we, we wailed on each other hard. Yeah. Um, and there was really no way to fake it. Uh, we, we slapped each other on stage. We slapped each other in the movie. And each Did lap- you have to, like, hug it out afterwards? Like- <laughs> oh, no. We knew we loved each other. No, it was totally okay. We were, to- that part of it was totally fine. In fact, we tr- had to trust each other more than people yeah, who play lovers do. Um, I see yeah, yeah, really Alice Hargram all the time. I had to trust her more than anybody else on that show because we beat the living daylights that's out of true. each other. And we could really have hurt one <laughs> another, but even more so with with Anna. Do you know what, though? On stage, they did a lot to try and mitigate that. On film, we had to have real eggs and real food and real blah, 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 blah. On stage, instead of eggs, scrambled eggs, we had broken up pound cake. So it wasn't oh, a slippery. That's better. And we had... <laughs> Very little liquid in the water, although the pitcher of water at the end uh, had to be a full pitcher of water. That was the hardest thing for me to shoot: getting a pitcher of water in my face in a close-up, blind. Yeah. <sighs> but not, I'm not blind. Oh yeah, because oh, you have you can't to keep your react. eyes open. Your eyes are open. Yes, because I, I flinch. I mean, I, they had a flag up with an X on it for me to focus on, and I counted oh. it down but you can see just as the water hits my eyes close a little there's one point in in the in the movie that that actually made it into the movie where she's doing spoons and I'm throwing spoons and she's putting a spoon oh, yeah. in yeah, yeah, I love she, that she passed my hand and she bent my fingers all back but we kept going my fingers <gasps> oh, all bent god. and I was like oh god i could could hardly grab the next spoons but she kept kept them going kept them going kept them going and then once we cut every, you know, after every shot during that whole fight scene, we cut and everybody go, okay, is everyone all right? The uh, AD would say, yeah, would be okay. Yeah. Yeah. And every time, I mean, sometimes we'd be laying on the ground going, give us two minutes. We just got to catch our breath, but we're okay. Yeah, but, right. This is so, so intense. So did it's you like so intense
1: in, just hearing about it. In I the know.
3: opening scene, back to my um, mine and my husband's um, big burning question. In the opening scene, where you take the doll and you whack her, did you actually split her lip, or was that really just fake blood? Oh, no, that's
0: makeup. Yeah, but I did hit her with the doll. But they had a spongy head doll. But it still hurt like yeah. hell.
3: And okay, she, good.
0: thank God. She said, oh my God! Hey, don't spare it, and don't try not to hit the ear. So I kind of hit her here, so to yeah. try and avoid her ear. Mm-hmm.
3: Wow. You wailed on her with that doll, man. In fact, when yeah, we were watching it that other night, it was one of those moments that both of us were like, oh! I <laughs> know.
0: <Yes. laughs> I, actually, I, think I have to watch the movie again, but I think I knock one of her teeth out. Yeah, you yes, do. You do. do. Yeah. yeah. She, you did. knock her teeth out. Mm-hmm.
1: It's and so I'm, much to ask of such a young girl. I'm yeah. just, I was so enthralled with watching you in that movie because I couldn't,
3: I, I, it's just amazing what you were able to call upon at such a young age. Yeah. Well, well, let's not forget. By now, you've been fought, you've been on, on Little House for five years. So Melissa's been through fires and blizzards
0: <laughs> and wolf attacks. Uh, so my goodness. Blizzards. so <laughs> many
3: blizzards.
0: True, dead baby, she brother. was hardy,
3: Kristen. By then, yes, that's, true. <laughs> that's oh, right. God. The dead. Oh, oh my god. Oh, that, that's that my maybe, favorite. I mean... Maybe she caused that to happen. I'm not sure if I five years in had you already been kidnapped, and because the <laughs> best friend got drowned, and then you're in the apple cellar. Oh, my goodness. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I think and I then think, let's not even talk about Bunny. I
1: mean. <laughs> I
0: think, oh, oh, yeah. And I think I was <laughs> a local seller by then, and Bunny had died. I, I've been oh, through, my I, God. A, at that point. So, Helen Keller just seemed to, like a the next step in, you know. Being <laughs> a- oh, my God. Okay, Easy peasy.
3: Okay, side, side note, but I just – because I have you here, I just have to say – The expression on when we did our little house episode, gosh, way back, you guys, that was like a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about our favorite episodes. And one of mine is one of the bunny ones, but it's not, it's, it's the bunny, and it's not the one where Bunny dies because why would that be my favorite episode? But I was going back and rewatching all of those. Your little express when you hear those gunshots, and then your little expression. I mean, my goodness. I just can't imagine right telling – at the time, you're probably, what, 12? 11, 12? Telling, okay, uh, now listen, you're going to hear a gunshot, which means <laughs> Pa just killed your beloved husband, and action. No. <laughs> like, I can't even imagine. Horse. 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 I'm Not Freudian what did I say? Freudian Freudian slip. What, did I, what did I say? Husband. She said husband. Oh. <laughs> Where's Brian? Do we need to come over? No, no, that's my that's my fear. You guys know, Melissa doesn't know this yet, but you guys know that's my thing because I never liked Almanzo. So you know that that was my, oh. <laughs> that was going to Almanzo. So.
0: That was in. <laughs> that's so funny. Your beloved I, horse. Yes. That was Michael. That was Michael Landon. And that was, I, he, I knew what was happening in the scene. And he said, we're not going to shoot up a gun. You're just going to hear me say bang and know that that's, that's yeah. your horse being shot. And so that was, that was oh, it. So, it was it, so pers- you did that off of an, off of a vocal cue. A Michael yelling bang. Okay. Oh, God. But and I still though, Laura. I don't
3: care if it was a real gunshot or him yelling bang. Mm-hmm. The realization in that little girl's face is just absolutely heartbreaking. Again, we see it through a different lens when we watch it as 53 year old women, as I did when I watched it as a nine year old little girl, but like still heartbreaking, heartbreaking, slow clap for
0: um, the acting. <laughs> 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 when we watched when we watched Little House now because Tim still if it's on it's on if he scrolls through Cutie. channels and Little House is on it's Aww. on um, and so I'll sit down with him and when those moments happen it's so funny because now as, a, as an adult as a grandma I look at it and think right. oh, that poor little girl of course it, it's <laughs> not me it's Laura first of all she's weird and yeah. crazy and then I think oh that poor little thing I feel so bad you're parenting well, your inner half pint. I you am. I'm still parenting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well,
2: and I think that um that's interesting because watching The Miracle Worker again as an adult, you know, I could relate to the mom in this in the movie a lot more, obviously, than I would have as a kid. Yeah. And just feeling that ache for Katie and um, you know, and the father and that dynamic. It had a whole different perspective, which is such a gift with this podcast, is getting to go back and re watch some things like your movie or even Little House on the Prairie. And we have a different lens to see mm-hmm. that in.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then Helen's go to symbol when she was in distress was mother. But right. That was the, the only sign yeah. she had. Yeah. That, that was, was the only one. That was the only sign. That was the only, that mm-hmm. was the only. Mm hmm. We had no other – everything else, we should just grab it or push it away. Or
2: uh-huh.
0: this was right.
1: I remember as a child this – the understanding that I took from the Helen Keller story, which comes through really well in the movie, was the idea – that if you get everything you want whenever you want it it can actually lead to bad behavior and this is where her violence came from right she was this thrashing child i mean amongst other things she was living in in silence and darkness um and she's scared and she can't communicate but the fact that they they allowed her she wants the food off my plate and they let her grab it that that she wasn't allowed to um to have control over herself. She didn't learn how to have control over herself because they let her have everything that she needed. And that was a
3: life lesson for me as a child. When we were talking about, you said you watch um, Little House with Timmy, or sometimes you're like, wow, that's Laura. You had, You did have something on Instagram, I don't know, a month or so ago where your granddaughter was watching and you were braiding her hair. Oh, and God, I just want you to tell came. us what that moment was like. And I want to know, did she love it?
0: Okay. First of all, I had gone to some nostalgia event in L.A., and she came with. And so she heard a lot of Little House on the Prairie talk and met the whole cast that was at this thing. And so she spent the night with me. I was staying at my mom's. And the next morning she woke up and she said, Granny Mel, can we watch Little House on the Prairie? And I said, "Sure, hey, Lulu, let's do it. And so I put on, I didn't put on the, the first two hour movie because I didn't want to bite off more than she could choose. So I put on country girls first, oh, which I love was the that. first, perfect, it was the first episode. Yeah. It's it's, that's one telling. of my favorites. Yeah. yeah. Country girls. So I put that on for her and it, when it was over, she said more and I said, okay, <laughs> Lulu, we put on another one. Now my mom is asleep. We've gotten up at set. it's like seven o'clock in the morning. So about four hours later, she's now watching her fourth Little House in the Prairie episode. <laughs> and she says, Granny Mel, can you put my hair in pigtails like Laura? Oh, she asked. So, yeah. So I take this huge, deep breath, and I start braiding her hair. And just at that moment, my mother comes out, and my mother falls apart. What am I saying? I'm seeing? falling apart. I have goosebumps all oh, Little house is on and you oh, you're I, right. I know out. I can't and I'm not even and your she, mom. Then she came back <laughs> out and she took that picture that I posted. Oh sweet. <laughs> so, what so so I guess moment. I guess Lulu liked it. She loved it. She watched she watched it was on for eight hours. Like the did whole thing was she, how how she able to do Was she Gosh. able to make that connection that this oh, is Randy yeah, yeah, Mel? Yeah. She's definitely old enough now. When yeah. she was little, she watched it for the very, very, very first time. I think she was four or five. She um, she was all about, she couldn't even say Laura. She called her Rola. <laughs> <laughs> she loves Rola. And she has a Rola doll and she has a wagon and she has ponies and she has like this whole thing from the Queen's Treasures, which is a really cute company. They make, they're oh. so cute. And so she, and she has a camp, the campfire that goes with it and all the stuff that goes in the wagon. And so she would sleep with Rola a lot, was her doll, for a long time. Now she has watched the show and she's she's,
3: Because you had boys, so it hits differently when you have granddaughters. Because your boys, I'm sure,
0: were like, whatever. (laughs) We're only interested in the Albert episodes, like the Halloween episodes. um, And that kind of was it, or the Wolves I was if, about to say all the
3: trauma ones, right? <laughs> right. You're like, "Hey, watch, Ma's going to try to cut off her leg."
0: Come on, yeah, this one. They really care about that? Um, they mostly liked, you know, like werewolf of Walnut Grove, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. of course, yeah. Well, and it
1: was so good of you to share that moment. That was really, because it's not just a full circle moment for you. It was a full circle moment for us right. too, to watch you braid yeah. her hair. And I just, I remember seeing that and just like getting a lump in my throat. Yeah, killer,
0: killer. Mm-hmm. I know. And me too. I, uh, it, it was really um, an extraordinary thing to have happen and then have it happen at my mom's too. Was of course. Just I just. Beyond, beyond. I'm going to try now just thinking to about to that. To she wanted to have a sleepover with us. She even said to me, Granny Mel, why is Yaya crying? <laughs>
3: oh. Oh. Gosh. So cute. That is so Okay, we're going to go back to no. Miracle Worker for uh, a little okay. bit before we play a fun game with you. And I have a okay. question. So, Melissa, you've done countless TV shows, movies, plays. How does this role of Helen Keller rank for you in your you know, entire, um, basically, career?
0: I don't want to say I peaked at 14 because that's just too <laughs> depressing. <laughs> but I peaked at 14. It was good I, work. I feel like that was – it, it, because it was such an incredible experience, my first time on stage and playing that role and, and being able to play it the way I did and just the confluence of all the things that were brought in to help me do that from – my relationship with Anna to Paul Aaron, the director to Jeff Corey and my mom and my brother who was there annoying the hell out of me the whole time. And like just, and my, my baby sister was there just, and my grandmother was there and it just that whole experience and then the movie and then having it do as well as it did and, and, and being nominated for an Emmy and having the movie win and having Anna win. And um, it just, it was, it was, it, the totality of the experience is something I'll never have again, mm. and it really, it really solidified my desire to continue in this business and be uh, an actor and a producer and continue to tell stories. And so, it will always be that that it, it catapulted me forward in so many ways. Wow. Um, uh-huh. And I, you know, I'm nowhere near retiring, and I'm sure there's a lot of really cool, fun stuff ahead. But that just not just the role, but the experience of it was life-changing.
2: I was going to say life-changing. And I'm sure things you learned on that set, not only things like acting techniques, but how to walk through life, you learned while you were filming that. And I think that's that's pretty incredible yeah, how that just, must have been. I must
0: remember we had a screening of it that we hadn't seen it finished yet. And we had a cast and crew screening. It was the same crew that did Little House on the Prairie. We just rolled everyone right over in hiatus, and they all <laughs> shot it. Um, and Mike Landon came, and I hadn't seen the movie yet. And I was sitting next to him, and my or I was maybe between my grandfather and my mother, and Mike was there, and Anna was there. And the movie ended, and, of course, the audience was just silent the whole time, and the movie ended, and everybody just screamed and applauded. And I lost it, burst into tears, and collapsed into my mom, who was sobbing. And then I, like, crawled across her to Anna, and we just, like, held on to each other <sighs> sobbing. And then I, I finally got myself together. I could barely even tell the story to, to kind of, like, greet the rest of the room. And I turned around, and Mike was standing there, and he was drenched in tears. And he just kept looking at me and going, I've I never seen anything like this in my life. I cannot oh. get over this. I okay, can't. you just made me cry. <laughs> and it was in me too. I'm done. Um, it was such, a, it was such a, a hugely validating moment too. Right. He was my father figure and he was my yeah. mentor and he was the the actor producer that I looked up to most of anyone in the world. And he just, he kept looking at me like, this is my kid. I can't believe my kid.
2: Yes. I bet he was so, so proud of you. So proud of you. you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And because of the
1: era in which we live that, that doesn't remain in the past. right? Right. We just all watched the miracle worker and everybody can, can still benefit from this movie. Oh, without a
0: doubt. I actually think that that probably, I'm going to Los Angeles, this will kill my mother. I'm going to Los Angeles to be with my mother <laughs> for Christmas. But if I show Lulabelle, my granddaughter, the miracle worker in my mother's living room, i <sighs> are going to have to take her out on the stretcher. Yeah. She won't be able to take it.
3: When it ended, the very last scene, my husband and I are sitting like on our couch and all of a sudden, like, and I was like cross-stitching and he's like doing something on his phone as we're watching. But that whole last like three minutes, both of our things are just down. And I haven't – understand, I don't know that he ever saw it as a kid. I did, but that's probably the last time I saw it was in 1979. Mm -hmm. I was 10 years old. Um, We're just watching, and that very last scene, we're just silent. And my husband goes, God damn it, half pint. Why are you doing this to me? (laughs) And I look over, and he's crying. He's crying. He's a 50. and then I look over and then I start crying and we're like, then we start laughing, but we're like, oh my God, so look what this movie can still do. I mean, I know that, um, yeah. I think I said, who did I say? Oh, it was John Davidson. I said, I don't mean to pander. And he's like, oh, go ahead, pander. But I said like <laughs> we're pandering <laughs> to you. But honestly, we're just really grateful to you for giving us um, performances like this that not only touched us back then, but now, you know, I just had, I just... Watched it with my husband and both of us end up crying. And that's from something you did at age 14. So that has to just be a really rewarding feeling, but also we're just grateful for that. Um,
2: yes.
0: Yeah. Thanks. I I so appreciate that. Yeah, I get that too. My husband didn't watch it at the time either. And he what we watched it, I don't know, a few years ago. And and his reaction was not dissimilar. Only there was cussing. (laughs) Oh my god, baby. Yeah. What was that? Just sobbing. (laughs) Yeah. Oh,
1: <laughs> the end kind of punched me in the gut because I didn't remember how it ended and I won't tell our listeners how it ends, but it uh, it's this moment where you're just frozen and then the credits roll and I was like, "It's over?" Yeah, it's, over? <laughs> Wait, it's over. It's <laughs> over. I needed I needed the next page. I needed to turn <sighs> the page. But it was a brilliant way to end a movie because it's so ultimately triumphant and uh-huh. it just felt so good. So okay, good. I have a I have a really um dumb question to ask about the Miracle Worker, but it is something that occurred to me while I was watching it. And you just talked about the Little House crew working on it. I'm watching the movie and I'm like, this looks an awful lot like Walnut Grove.
0: Was it the same lot? Did you film uh, on the same lot? No. Uh, yes. We filmed it at on this. We built our sets on the sound stages at Paramount, I want to say. I know we filmed The Diary of Anne Frank at Fox. But we filmed out in Simi Valley to the exteriors. So the Keller house, I, if my memory is not completely off, did become the blind school that got burnt down. <gasps> that's good dish. That's such good. Oh, I, my love gosh. It. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> that's, that's it. I think that's, that's correct. Um, it, I, I'm pretty sure it became the blind school. It either became the I think it became a blind school. Okay, we're was, going
2: with the blind school. That's yes. a great story. We're going with that. But if
0: it wasn't the blind school, then it was the Wilder Room Boy. <clears> that <throat> got, blo- well, not blown up, but windows broken. Well, yeah. now I need to go mm-hmm. back and
3: watch both of those again. Although I have a really hard time watching the blind school burning down one because uh, of that poor oh yeah, burning yeah, baby. But, no, um, no. Why, why, why? Albert.
0: Why did the baby have <laughs> to burn? Um, why did we because have to see the baby bleeding. burning? what there God. wasn't really a baby mary never got married in real life so I know. There, was no adult,
3: there
1: was no oh baby. that's helpful
3: thank
0: it you it's helpful oh, but it noodles. doesn't matter to
3: have to see mrs garvey up there with the baby and she's oh. in, oh. she in the window in the window yeah there's nothing traumatic oh. <laughs> about that for a little you know 11 12 year
0: old girl watching it um. and she she <laughs> shows up at these little house cast reunion things with a baby <laughs> oh, Wait, watch one oh gosh of <laughs> We watched one, and she was so
3: funny. This was way before we talked to you. Uh, It was during COVID. You guys were doing some of those fundraising things. Oh, my God. And we watched one. I thought that was the best thing ever, that she's like, I'm alive.
0: I'm alive. And the baby's still not real. I know.
1: Oh, my gosh. Okay, then I have, before we move into our fun game, um, because you knew we'd have a fun game, didn't you? Of course. We need to talk about Modern Prairie. Can you tell our listeners
0: about Modern Prairie? Modern Prairie is, um, well, technically, technically it's a lifestyle line, but it's more than that. It's really a place where Mm -hmm. women over 40, 45 can gather to share ideas, thoughts, um, to talk about what we're going through in our lives, the changes, whether they be physical, emotional, because we go through so much at this age. It's, it's kids are leaving, they're moving away. What do we do? Am I in the right job? Um, um. Then also, I I wanted to create a place where we could celebrate who we are at this age, as opposed to like the, it seemed to me like we were being pigeonholed into two categories as we age. We're either really cute old ladies or we're really mean old ladies. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing in between. What about powerful, intelligent, wise mm-hmm. women That's in right. this country? We're the. I mean, you go to other countries; they revere people as they get older. The older you get, the wiser you get. Same thing here. It should be that way, but it's not. And especially with women. So I wanted to create a place and a space where we could celebrate becoming these incredibly golden, wonderful, extraordinary people that we are who have earned their opinions, who are comfortable in their skin, maybe not all the time. Um, And to to share our favorite things and our favorite ideas and even as trivial as our favorite recipes. Um, So it's now growing and growing and growing. (coughs) Um, we do like to call ourselves the anti-goop. We're very. <laughs> oh my God. We are That's not fantastic. fancy in any way, shape, or form. Um, and we've had some really interesting conversations and um, webinars—not necessarily webinars, but they're they're more chats. We have a wonderful life coach we work with named Christine Simple, and she and my best friend Sandy Peck and I did. Um, we asked our community. What topics they want to talk about the most, and the number one was uh, grieving, loss, and recovery from that. Oh my goodness! Wow. And so we've done we've done two seminars or webinars on that. Um, we have one uh, coming up. On, we did one on how to get unstuck for people who feel yeah. stuck in their lives, mm-hmm. which a lot of us do. Especially when everything changes and we're like, well, now what? So if you sign up for our community, we have all sorts of exclusives and offers and stuff to join these things. And now we've launched products. So we we have lots of different products by made by all, all made by women, extraordinary women from all over the country. We have more stuff coming out for holiday. And we actually designed an exclusive mug called Mornings with Melissa with this wonderful company called Crazy Cat Lady ceramics. These two extraordinarily talented artists, and we did it as an experiment to see how it would go. They sold out in 24 hours. Oh, I bet
2: wow. those were so cute. Those mugs.
0: They're really. sweet. We're starting to figure out, you know, what our community wants, and um, um, it's it's really great. And we're working with some amazing organizations too. We have one. Uh, we have a, an exclusive candle coming out. That's going to be in a, um, a stoneware container in a color, a special custom color called Prairie Snow that is created by Roe Pottery in Wisconsin. It's a woman owned company and the candles are being filled by a company in Illinois called Bright Endeavors, which takes young single mothers who are struggling and gives them a career and a path and teaches them how to exist in the workplace, teaches them how to make candles, teaches them how to fill out resumes, gets them on their feet so they're able to work and balance being a single mother. So they're doing our candles. They're pouring candles in our containers.
3: Will those be available before Christmas? Yes, they will.
0: How do people find Modern Prairie? Where should they look for it? We should. Thank you. You're so good at this. I am <laughs> www.modernprairie.com.
2: And, and we will put a link in our show notes to that. And, and our and, weekly um, reader this newsletter. Week. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome.
3: Awesome. Well, it would not be a conversation with Melissa Gilbert unless we played a fun game. Um, if you listened to our last conversation, we um, pulled out a Dynamite magazine where Melissa graced the cover so beautifully, and we asked her the same questions they asked her in Dynamite. But today we thought we would do a little Gen X lightning round. And we're going to ask Melissa some of the questions that um, are questions we would ask any of our listeners, because let's not forget, even though Melissa was someone that completely defined our Gen X childhoods and all our listeners because we watched her on TV, let's not forget she was also a Gen X teenage girl and a Gen X X girl crushing on probably the same people we were or watching the same television shows we were. So this is going to kind of be a stars, they're just like us type thing. (laughs) So we're just going to try to ask you some questions that we came up with. So I'll start first. And I would like to know, Melissa, if you could be one Charlie's angel, which one would you want to be? Oh geez, probably
0: Jill. Okay, verified. Well, yeah. Well, I mm-hmm. mean, if the you're skateboard go maybe. Hi. Yep. Yeah, the skateboard, the tennis, the race car driving boyfriend. You know, just mm-hmm. kind of the whole and the hair. Oh, the hair. Yeah. Come well, on, the hair.
2: That's all you have to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. solid answer.
0: <laughs> Melissa, okay. who was your
1: first celebrity crush? Prince Charming
0: from <laughs> oh, the movie. From the no, movie from Disney on Ice, oh, that's <laughs> even better. <laughs> that's adorable. Oh, <laughs> you fell in love at the, at Disney on Ice. I did, and I did, and I asked him for an autograph. That's one of the only autographs I've ever asked. Uh, no, the only autograph I've ever asked for, actually. Oh,
2: you were in love. Oh my gosh! Well, I, I was
0: head over heels.
2: <laughs> I favorite Love Boat crew member as a viewer, and then as we know, you were a guest on Love Boat your favorite crew member working with
0: as a viewer, I like gopher and okay. as a guest, I didn't really interact with the crew on the boat. Much. True. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was mostly just skateboarding around with Jimmy Bale. <laughs> <laughs> the B girl. team. <laughs> oh, did
2: you just hear what she said? Wait, we have to have her to repeat that again, Melissa. What did I you say? I
0: was skating around with Jimmy Bayo, who is by the way the good Bayo. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so not not the B team. Yeah. I want
3: to know, we talked we touched on this a little bit um, when we were talking about the um, Wolves of Walnut Grove or being kidnapped in the in the cellar. But we all we've actually done an entire episode on the traumatic Little House episodes, those ones that made us just cry and, and hold our hands over our eyes. Do you have a favorite Little House trauma episode? And if you do, is it the same one watching it or is, as it was filming it, if that makes sense?
0: Um, I don't know that I... Well, okay. Watching, as a viewer, I think the most traumatic episode we ever did was Sylvia. <laughs> oh. <Ugh>. <laughs> why? <laughs> why? and Why? <laughs> Clown mask was like that was yeah. like Nip Tuck ish. You know they had that yeah. whole clown or guy in in mm. Nip Tuck or Nip Tuck got it from us. I don't know. I think so. I yeah, it um, could be an interesting question for Ryan Murphy. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it was just very traumatic and scary and horrible, and the it's ending horrible, was awful, it's it's just horrifying, a horrible thing to um, to film. <clears throat> I guess. Uh, I, 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 being locked in that uh, cellar, cellar, yeah, the, the crazy mom was pretty traumatic. Oh, well, and she that dressed was you the saddest, shooting the drowning either filming that drowning. Scene. Oh, 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 god, yeah. oh,
2: right. that is traumatic. Gosh. Did you guys get like a little counseling or anything during some of that? It just seems awfully. <laughs> I know. You look at her, her face, like Carolyn. Carolyn, but
0: what the nineteen seventies were like? I, I know.
2: Reality. Yeah, I know. We mm-hmm.
0: were not woke. No. Okay, here's your next question. What was
1: your favorite book when you were 12?
0: Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. (gasps) Oh,
1: I'm writing that down. (laughs) We
2: love love it. answer. Yes. Oh, my gosh. What a defining Mm -hmm. book for for our generation it's like and um and that movie is coming out soon they finally adapted that into a film and what does it come out i think next
0: year maybe Um, it's long enough golly amen no 50 years also forever
1: Oh, oh well hello ralph (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, and let's that can transition oh, very well to my next question because they did make Forever into a movie. And if you recall, your co your um husband from Little House on the Prairie, Dean Butler, was the um the lead. I was male say the lead. penis. Yeah. He was not Ralph. Ralph, but he had Ralph. <laughs> he yes. had Ralph. He was the, he <laughs> the was owner the owner of Ralph. Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph's owner. Yeah. So we um speaking of Dean Butler, have a question for you. Who is a better kisser? Rob Lowe or Dean Butler.
0: This is this is so mean. <laughs> so mean. Um, <laughs> nice question, Cause
3: you can answer, you can be very be honest. correct, but we'd love yes. it if you were honest.
0: Rob Lowe. <sighs> oh, okay. oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. So, so now his wife will never let him talk to me again. <laughs> you're not you're not coming to Thanksgiving um, anymore. Melissa, if you don't know. If you Is don't it- know, you're not the only
3: other one Rob Lowe has kissed, so she's going to no. have to just get – she's going to have <laughs> He's
0: kissed more women than me and Cheryl?
3: <laughs>
0: Wait, can just I read something? I was not something? ready.
3: I was not ready can, for you to kiss Dean Butler.
1: Can I just read you something? Was I,
0: I. was not ready for that either. Well, that's
3: why I want to just read you something. Um, listeners, I'm going to be reading, Melissa, her words from um, her book, wonderful book called Prairie Prairie Tale. Was this your first book? Yeah. Okay. You guys, so good. I remember when I got this book, I devoured it in like one weekend because it's written so well. But anyway, when we came up with this question, I had to flip through because I thought I remembered that the way you wrote it was so funny. She says this in the book, Prairie Tale. On the first day, I opened a script and saw the name Almanzo Wilder among the characters. I got a sick feeling in my stomach that didn't go away for the next two seasons. (laughs) The nausea was all nerves. I knew I was going to have to show affection, kiss, and at some point go to bed with a guy. When in real life, I was a knock-kneed, flat-chested, 15-year-old who looked 13, still wore rubber bands and a retainer in her mouth, and had never gone out with, kissed, or even held hands with a boy. And suddenly, I was supposed to get it on, prairie style? (laughs)
1: Michael
0: like Landon?
3: Know, get it on Come first. Come on. Wait, 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 wait. It goes on because then she's um, she's talking about, Melissa's talking about how she was excited that maybe it was going to be like, um, so, you know, they're going to cast someone who's also 15, 16. But then came Dean's first day of work. And when we finally met, I was hit by a perfect storm of disappointment, fear, (laughs) anger, and nausea. (laughs) I can imagine what my face looked like. No, I don't want to imagine. It couldn't have been nice. I'd expected (laughs) the the producers to cast a contemporary of mine. Instead, they had cast a man, exclamation point. (laughs) That's right. Dean was a grown-up man. I looked at him as if he'd risen from Dr. Frankenstein's lab. He was in his 20s. He shaved, drove a car, and lived in his own apartment.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. I love that oh, it's so much so because bad. I was no so No wonder we were so bad. uncomfortable. I just wasn't, yeah. I just that was it was way too soon. It's too much. As we say in my family, it's just too many words. I have too many words. <laughs> Let me describe for you what getting it on prairie style means. <laughs> Please. <laughs> you see it all the time on Little House in the Prairie. It's when the adults get into bed and they eat popcorn and they read the Bible. Doing it,
3: that's
1: true. what are we gonna I'm do?
0: Getting it on, fairy. Oh, that's true. <laughs>
3: okay, well then I feel better. I feel a little better. Yeah, dude, oh, I'm, not, I'm however, writing that down too, We should also make sure Bible. and let you know that in the book, in like the next two sentences, Melissa <laughs> tells us all that she and Dean Butler are great friends. Like, and now it's something you can laugh about, right? I think. Oh, that's sure. And I yeah.
0: don't. You know, I'm, I now. I mean, I every time I see him, I say, him, I, can't, I can't believe. God bless you. I, I
2: was <laughs> yeah. It was probably a, that was a two way street there,
0: a hundred percent. And I, he, it had to have been as awkward for him as it was for me, and uncomfortable. And I don't know who talked. No one talked to me about it, so I don't know. But hopefully, someone sat him down and said it's going to be okay. You can be in love with a fifteen year old. Well, you write, yep. and
3: you go on to write in Prairie Tale. In detail about that 16th birthday, the kiss, and like your mom was on set, and all of these people, and how uncomfortable it was. And I have to wonder can you ever go back and watch that episode, or do you just stay away from that one?
0: No, <laughs> Listeners, your face the is face so good. She's making Was like
3: she literally just drank sour milk. So we know the answer. She does answer not that. watch okay. that. Episode. I don't want to watch it either. Somebody just farted in the room. If it makes you feel better, I don't want to watch it
1: either. Okay, we're gonna. We have just one more question, just to round out this little game, and it's going to be an easy one for you. What was your favorite roller skating song?
0: Boogie Wonderland. <gasps> That's yes. So good. We love that one.
3: You hear a song like Boogie Wonderland, and you want to do that roller discoing, don't you?
0: I had, well, speak- whole, I had an outfit. My mom. Oh, God a- bless you. Christmas one year under the, my mom. Sorry, Santa Claus. Under the oh. tree, there were brand new skates. I had light up wristbands and <sighs> wrist guards that went over my wrist. My, my The bands went over the wrist guards. I had a raspberry spandex pants. Oh, and God. raspberry spandex things that went over my skates. And raspberry <sighs> tube top. And a raspberry stretch belt, you know, with the with the plastic rose on it. Oh. <laughs> I was thinking of the sequins, the sequiny one. But yeah, I think I can picture. Yeah. <laughs> and I had a sequin headband. The Headband, of course, of course you did. Oh my you gotta gosh. you got to keep your hair it's out of your eyes. <laughs> yeah. Oh thank oh you my so goodness. much,
2: Melissa. Thank you. Thank, you, thank you, thank you. So fun, <laughs> joy. My face hurts from smiling. I know.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> Thank, you, thank so you so much. Thank you. you. You're such best. a good
3: sport. This
1: I was know. Fun.
0: It's always fun. Oh, oh thank, thank you. you.
3: Well, thank you. We just appreciate your support so much and your willingness to come on and chat with us because we know you're so busy. We feel like um, that we can call you a friend, and that means a lot mm-hmm. to us. Thank you. Same, same.
0: And thank you so much. You actually gave me a break from today's laundry day. Oh, oh. you're welcome. Okay. Well, you're welcome. Yes. That's right. <laughs> All right, ladies. Take good care. Happy holidays coming up. Thank you. Yes, you as well.
1: So here are your Gen X recommendations of the day. You can connect with your inner half pint today by rewatching your childhood hero in one of the greatest performances of her lifetime. You can find The Miracle Worker on YouTube, and there will be a link to the movie in our newsletter this week, The Weekly Reader. And then pay homage to that performance by checking out Modern Prairie, Melissa Gilbert's grown-up contribution to the women of today. She just never stops molding us, I guess. Thanks for listening today, and we'll see you next time.
2: If you want to get fun extras from our episodes delivered right to your inbox every Friday morning, make sure to subscribe to our free weekly reader. We also include other Gen X-related links and fun facts, things the three of us are loving, and important PCPS news, all in an under-three-minute read. To subscribe, just go to our website, poppreservationists.com or click the Linktree link on our Instagram bio. And We hope you're all following along on Instagram, where we post
3: daily Gen X memories, as well as on our Twitter and Facebook pages. It's a super fun community. And speaking of communities, thank you for being part of our listening community, and thank you to our community of supporters on Patreon, who quite literally keep this whole thing truckin'. Today, we're giving a special shout-out to patrons Linda, Kathleen, Rosarita, Mel, Karen, Joanne, and Stephanie. Thanks, you guys. Let's raise our glasses for a toast, courtesy of our friends on
1: Three's Company. To good times. To happy days. To Little House on the Prairie.
0: it will keep moving on something is